Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Listen, again, it is good to see everybody. Welcome online. You know, I was thinking about this. You folks online, you have much, much, you're, you're such a better position than folks inside. You have a mute button. You can shut me off. You can walk away. Well, you can actually walk away too, but I will make fun of you when you do it. But anyhow, all right, but here at home, you can just shut me off, mute me. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Amen. Well, listen, you know, let me show you something. Now, how many know that we really, we, we bring offerings when we come to the service, right? Now, that's good, but let me tell you what, how you, I, I really think I need to encourage you how to come to church. This is how Dick Skolton came to church this morning. He came bringing an offering. And some of you are wondering what this is. This is a dozen Titleist Pro-V golf balls. Right, Merle? Yeah, Merle and I both know what these are all about. All right, yeah, this is, this is like the creme de la creme, okay? And I'm, just, I'm not saying that maybe you should come like that, but, you know, we should imitate each other as we serve Christ. Okay, now, that being said, all right, listen, grab your Bibles, 2 Samuel 15. Uh, 2 Samuel 15, I want to speak a message to you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that part of this message I want to speak this morning is an actual warning to us as people, believers, citizens of the United States, um, watching all the stuff that's going on. Um, I want to talk to you about a pilfered heart, a stolen heart, if you will. Um, and so let me read you some verses out of this. 2 Samuel, it says, in the course of time, verse 1, Absalom, now who was Absalom? Absalom was the third-born son of King David. He was the son who murdered um, his brother for raping his sister. And really, David exiled him, but never really dealt with it. And then he brought him back to Jerusalem. But in the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. When anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, what town are you from? He would answer, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, if only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come to me, and I would see that they received justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. And Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. My, my, my. It's an amazing portion of Scripture. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was coming to staff meeting. I was coming down 17th Street to have staff. And all of a sudden, I was just thinking about things in our country, things in general. And all of a sudden, the Lord was speaking to me out of this passage. And I began to reflect on Absalom and how it also relates to the current culture in which we are in. Absalom was a man looking for one thing. And what he wanted was power. He was looking for power. He was a man who was looking for a position that was never appointed to him. How I many know David was the appointed king? David was the anointed king. Absalom was the usurper of that position. The throne of his father was appointed to him by God. Absalom was on a mission to usurp the God-given authority of his father. 
Absalom was, uh, was this man who, in order to gain power, would steal the hearts of the people. All right? Now, and in pursuit of this, he did a number of things. And I'm going to show you these things, but I'm going to also apply them spiritually in a moment. But what I want to do, first and foremost, is have us understand that I want to talk to us for a moment of saying, and I'm not telling you which side of the political aisle, because I'm going to know there's two sides to the political aisle, and there's two sides, and they also both do the same thing at different times. All right? But I want you to see it, because I really believe the battle in America is for votes. But in order to get the votes, you've got to get the hearts. When you get the hearts, you will get the votes. All right? That's how that works. Now, let me begin with this. So I'm going to talk to you for a few moments about what I'm going to call an Absalom spirit. I don't use that phrase a lot, something spirit. I don't like the theorem Jezebel spirit very much, okay? But different, because sometimes it just gets so misapplied. All right? But I want to talk to you about this Absalom spirit I want to talk about for just a moment. The first thing it does, this Absalom spirit, it needs a platform and it needs a people. All right? You have to have a platform and you have to have a people. He got a chariot horses and 50 people to run ahead of him, 50 men to run ahead of him and herald him, announce him, um, prop him up, if you will. All right, here's what it says. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to go there. We'll go here. Now think about this for a moment. I'm going to tell you something. Never in my life, I'm 56 years old, I have not paid always close attention to the politics, and I don't get into it a lot, but I will say this, bar none, bar some, we are living in an age where there is very few unbiased, independent news reporting agencies. They're propping one side or the other, okay? It's a constant propping of one side or the other side. You are not hearing journalism. What you are hearing is you are hearing rhetoric. You are hearing propaganda, if you will. That is to do one thing. It is to feed and to capture your heart and whatever side. Now, listen to me. Some of you already are going like this. You better not touch my Trump. You better not touch my Democrat side. I'm not touching either side. What I'm touching is what's going on in America when there's an absolute spirit that's attacking and trying to capture the hearts of the people to get votes, to get power. All right? And so understand it. It needs a platform and it needs a people. It needs somebody heralding that, somebody championing that, somebody running with it. Give me a platform. Prop me up. And this is exactly what you see. Turn on the television. It's constant. It's a constant barrage. Now, let me show you a scripture. The part of this says that Absalom would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. And when anyone came to a complaint um, to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, what town are you from? And they would answer, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Okay, so get this. So he sets himself up by the city gate. This would be like, this is the equation. Let me give it to you. You come here, you have a complaint from Pastor Jim or something wrong with the church, and Troy sets himself up on the porch to capture you before you get to me. Lord, I hope he does that. Okay, <laughs> okay handle all my problems today, Troy. And he, but he's not doing it to help. He's doing it to capture you before you get to me, and he wants to win you over to his side, if you will. You see, because an Absalom spirit always preys upon troubled people. It always preys, you have people who feel marginalized, you have people who feel disenfranchised, and what you do is you go after those people to capture their heart. And you bring, you do all these different things. And if you look at what's happening in our country, there is much of this going on where there is people who are in leadership who are preying upon people who feel dis. Um, enfranchised, who feel marginalized, who are troubled with the current state of something, 
and there is a um, disgruntlement with them that they don't think they can get satisfied. Therefore, I'm going to prey upon you. I, okay? I'm trying not to touch certain subjects, only because I don't want to seem like I'm coming from one side or the other, if I may. Because, it, listen to me, it does happen both ways. So all of a sudden, now there's troubled people, and he begins to prey upon them. They're coming for justice. They feel disenfranchised. They feel marginalized. And now he's getting in there. Listen, how can I help you? Watch this. And then it says, then Absalom would say, look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. Now watch. And Absalom's spirit patronizes people. Now listen to me. Now, how many of you ever hear somebody say, don't you patronize me? Don't you, don't, you, don't you pretend to support me? Don't you patronize me? Listen to me. What we have right now is always on two sides of that. This camp or this camp. This camp now, I'm going to patronize this people who feels troubled, disenfranchised, marginalized, this people who are, are in a disgruntled state. I'm going to patronize them, right? The problem is it doesn't come from a true spirit of patronizing. I mean, no, I am to be, as your shepherd, to be your patron. I am to be your patron, which means to support, aid, and care for. I am to be your patron, but it's got to come from a true spirit of patronizing. How many know there's the false side of patronizing? There's the side of patronizing that is no, nothing more than pandering, that I'm pandering for something through my patronizing of you. You see, true leaders, true statesmen, they're not patronizing you for themselves, they're patronizing you for you, that you're a true patron to the people. And he begins to make them promises, right? Watch this. And, whoops. <laughs> and Absalom would, would say, if only I were, just, just imagine if I were judge in the land, then everyone who would come to me with a complainer case, and I would see that they get justice. Because, listen, the Absalom spirit always promises you satisfaction. If you will make me king, if you will make me judge, if I can get that power, if you will help me establish the power that I seek and the power that I want, I will promise you that you will be satisfied. Do anybody see this going on right now in our country? Does anybody see this going on in our country where you've got a troubled people, you've got people preying upon troubled people, You've got patronizing that's going on. You've got, a, you've got a promise of, I will get you satisfaction. Now listen, uh, again, here we go. Some of you are going to get upset who are watching. Some of you may not. It'll be all right. Because we'll end with Jesus, and Jesus is all good. Have you read some of that $3, million, $3 trillion thing? It's lunacy. Let me just say that. It's lunacy, and there's a bunch of this crap in it. Now, there's a bunch of crap on the other side of the aisle, too. <laughs> okay? I want to be equal insulter. Right? Listen to me. There is a battle in the country for the hearts of the people. And there's a pursuit of power. And this Absalom spirit that is pursuing power is, is preying upon troubled people. It is patronizing people. It is making promises of satisfaction. Watch this. And then when the people would approach him to bow down before him, 
Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold, and kiss him. Get this. So Absalom, oh, come here. I just love you. You're just, you're just my favorite. Oh, you know, I know all the troubles with Nehemiah. Pastor John will fix them all. But anyhow, I just love you. You're my favorite. Right? See, because what happens is this Absalom spirit pretends to actually care about the people. It actually pretends to care. Like, oh, we care so much about you. Stop it. Now, listen, I can't go across the board because we do know there are good people in positions of leadership. Amen? I'm not, I can't, but I'm going to tell you something. We also know that there is a pretense of concern. There's a pretense of I'm about you. I'm about your cause. No, you're not. You need that base to get your votes. There's a pretense. It's an, politics breeds the Absalom spirit. The Absalom spirit always lives well in a political environment. Right? It does not live well in a prophetic environment. It cannot exist in a prophetic environment. But in our country, listen to me, church. Listen to me, believers. Whether, I don't care what side you're on, aisle-wise. I will say this. There is an attempt to steal the hearts. To steal the heart. Absalom behaved in this way towards all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. Listen, there's nothing implied here that David wasn't going to give them justice. Understand? David was a good king. There's nothing to be said that he wasn't giving people justice. And he was asking for justice. He stole, so he stole the hearts of the people. An Absalom spirit pilfers the heart of the people. And it does it through praying upon, patronizing, making promises. And there's all this that happens. And then, all of a sudden, he has stolen the hearts of the people. To the point where the Bible says that David received a message that the hearts of the people are with Absalom. And David had to flee the city and run for his life. Because the Absalom spirit will never allow the true king to live. They have to destroy him. It has to destroy the true king. Because what happens is, pilfered hearts put imposter leaders in position. When your heart is stolen, you will put an imposter in position of leadership. Now, watch this. In our current and past political climate, the battle is always about the heart of the people to get the vote of the people so you can get power over the people. As we talked about last week, how Jesus said what? The Gentiles Lord over you. We're not like the world. They lord over you. They want to get power over you, to hold privilege over you, that whole scripture. That blew me away, those, those things out of that message last week. And so here's what's going on in our country. Make no mistake about it. Is that there, there is going to be a battle between now and November when that election takes place, and there is an attempt to steal the hearts of the people. Because if you can steal the hearts, you can govern the land. He who gets the hearts governs the land. Because if you get the hearts, you get the vote. But let me transition. That's a warning for us in America. But let me transition. In our current and past political climate, the battle's always been about the hearts of the people in order to get the votes of the people to get the power over the people. But in our current and past spiritual climate, there has always been a battle for our hearts. How many know there has been a battle raging for the heart of men? How many know that there has been a battle raging for the heart of men from the time that man was created? From the time we were created in the garden, there has been a battle that has raged for the heart of men. 
There's a battle that rages today for your heart. And it's between the enemy of your soul and God. It's about the enemy of your soul and Jesus. There is a battle. How many, how many ever have, how many ever have, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, let your heart, your hearts be troubled. Why did he say that to them? Because their hearts were troubled. Do you know what happens to a troubled heart? It becomes prey to the enemy. It becomes prey to Absalom spirit. It becomes prey. All of a sudden, he begins to pander you and patronize you. All of a sudden, something happens. The enemy does the very same thing that Absalom did to David. You see, the battle in the garden wasn't over fruit. The battle in the garden was over the hearts of men and women. The fruit was the object. But what he really wanted was this, the heart. And so watch what happens in the garden. In the garden, it was in his pursuit of power, because let me know that Satan was after one thing. I want the power. I want the power. I want the power and the authority that God gave to you, Adam and Eve. I want it. God gave you power, gave you authority, gave you dominion, and I want it. I want it. Matter of fact, I want, I, I'm, I'm even here because I wanted God's power. I wanted the throne. And in his pursuit of power, Satan began to prey upon troubled people. Because how many know Eve was there going, man, that fruit looks good. I wish we could have that fruit. Because how many know forbidden fruit always looks better than what you have? Hmm? How many know the fantasy always looks better than what your reality is? And you fix that in your heart. You fix that in your mind. How many of you ever had a fantasy in your mind you should not have operated on? Hmm? In his pursuit of power, Satan, like Absalom, preyed upon troubled people. And in his pursuit of power, Satan began to patronize. Oh, listen, God, God knows you know, that you'll just be like him. And he doesn't want you to be like him. And, and I'm here to help you. And I'm going to help you get what you want. And I'm going to help you get what you think you need to be satisfied. Because I know that you saw that it was good for food. And it was desirable for food. And good for gaining wisdom. And I, I understand what you want. And, I, and I'm, I, I understand. And God is a mean, wicked tyrant. And he promised them they would get satisfaction, right? In pursuit of his po and power, Satan promised satisfaction to a troubled people. That if you will just eat of it, oh, you will be like God. They were already like God. He created them in their, his image. They were already like God. But if you eat of it, everything you think you need by eating it will be yours. You'll find satisfaction. You'll get satisfaction. And he pretended to care about them. Right? How many times has the enemy lied to you? And it sounded good, like he actually cared about you. Hmm? In his pursuit of power, Satan pilfered the hearts of Adam and Eve, allowing him to govern the land. Because he won the hearts. Even today, the battle between who's going to govern our heart. Who's going to govern our land. And the enemy is out to kill, steal, steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the things he wants to steal is your heart. If he can steal your heart, he's won your affections. If he wins your affections, it won't be long till he wins your vote. Okay? In his pursuit of power, Satan pilfered the hearts of Adam and Eve, allowing him to govern the land. I like this next slide. For a season. Come on. Everybody say, for a season. For a season. Because like, like, the, the wonderful thing about usurped authorities that never last. It never lasts, right? See, let me remind you, Absalom had a power, had a heart for power, therefore he stole the hearts of the people to get that power. 
Satan had a heart for power, therefore, he stole the hearts of the people to get that power. Jesus had a heart for his father and a heart for the people, therefore, he won the hearts of the people. That's the difference. My Jesus won my heart. He didn't pilfer it, he didn't steal it, he didn't capture it, if you will. He didn't, he didn't prey upon it. No, 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 no. The Bible literally tells me that he wins it. How did he win it? He did, because listen to me. Everything that the Absalom spirit does here to get the heart, Jesus is the opposite of that to win the heart. He didn't come lording over. He came serving. He didn't come wielding power. He came humble. He came in the spirit of humility. He, came, he didn't come to conquer the first time through might. He came to die on a cross. See, you and I, we are the recipients of what Jesus did, not to overpower us, not to steal, not to deceive, but rather so that he could win our hearts. Right? Listen, Satan pilfers the heart to usurp the throne. Jesus wins hearts because he's on the throne. He's on the throne. I know who the appointed king is. I know who the anointed king is. I know who he is. He's won my heart. The enemy may try to steal it. He may try to prey upon it. There's times it's troubled. There's times it's broken. There's times it's hard. How many of you know he comes and he prays upon a broken heart? How many know he'll prey upon a troubled heart? But Jesus... He wins our hearts. Why? Because he doesn't pray upon our broken heart. The Bible says he mends the brokenhearted. He binds up the brokenhearted. He comforts those who mourn. The Bible tells me that when I'm in unrest, it's his peace that guards my heart. He's won my heart. The enemy steals the hearts of the troubled people. It's Jesus wins the hearts of troubled people. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is. Do you know what happens when the imposter gets on the throne? The yoke isn't easy and the burden isn't light. It's just not. Because now they got what they wanted, which is power over the people. And once they get power over the people, they lord over the people and hold privilege over the people. And then it becomes all about what? How do I maintain and keep that power? And I have to maintain and keep that power through threat, through might. See, when Jesus wins the heart, he doesn't have to threaten, manipulate, and coerce to keep it. The enemy steals hearts through a false patronizing. But Jesus wins it because he does true patronizing. How many know he truly is the one who supports you? He truly is the one who cares for you. He truly is the one that aids you. He truly is the one that works on your behalf. He truly was the one that came to serve humanity. He truly was the one. He's not, it's not a false thing for him. It's not something he did to get something. He truly today wants to serve you, minister to you, help you, aid you, support you. That's who he is. That is nature. It's not something he has to, you see, he doesn't have to put it on because it's who he is. You see, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago when I wrote that one piece on Facebook I talked about that, that, that politicians have talking points that many times they have to remember. Statesmen don't have to do that. 
for it is the core of who they are. They don't have to think up what to say because it's the core of who they are and it's what comes out of them. Jesus doesn't have to put on being a patron. He is a patron. It's who he is in his core, his nature. The enemy steals hearts through false promises. If you will this, I will give you that. Jesus wins hearts through true promises. The promises that he speaks in his word. We believe them to be true, do we not? And yet what happens in a moment of adversity? The enemy comes in and says, didn't God say this? What about this? What about that? How many know he tries to get you to doubt God's promises? How many of you have doubted God's promises in the last two months? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. You want to want to look human. We don't want any humans in here today. We're all spiritual robots. You've never had a problem in your life. You've never had a doubt before. You've never had a question before. Do you know there are honest questions that Christians ask, or unbelievers ask sometimes it's okay? It's okay. And we get all offended. Oh, ah, stop losing your mind. On that Facebook post, I had a guy ask me, where's your God in all this? It's a fair question. You don't have to attack them. It's an okay question. Because the question is generally, that question is generally on a, false, a faulty premise. And the faulty premise that we have presented that everything happens in the world is because of God. That God is in control of every moment, of every person, of every day. No, he's not. I could walk off here right now, walk over and kick Peter. That was Tim. That was Tim. I just want you to know. It was Tim. It's the devil. That's right. I, like I, I, could do, I could do that. How many believe I could do that? How many want me to prove it? <laughs> Some over there saying no. I could do it, though. And did God, did God do it? No, God didn't do it. He wasn't in control of that. Stop the lunacy. Oh, man, I felt good. Oh, it was therapy. Stop this lunacy. We, we say that, and then people want to know, well, why did God give us corona? He didn't give us corona. He didn't. But because we present that, then people want to know, what kind of mean tyrant are you serving? I'm not serving a mean tyrant. He didn't give me that. He didn't give us corona. He didn't kill my son. Come on, church. Stop making him look like a bad dad. Just because it freaks you out, he might not be in control of every second of every day. He's not. Oh, I'm getting therapy this morning preaching. Hey, Jamie Folk turned 50 last Sunday. Just want you to know that. Huh? You thought I forgot, huh? The problem is, listen to me, there is times where things will hit our lives and we say, God, where were you? God, how could this happen? And the enemy preys upon that. And he's trying to get you to a crisis of belief and a crisis of faith that you can say God's word isn't true. God's promises isn't true. And that's when he's preying upon your heart to steal the heart so he can govern your life. His promises are true. He wins hearts through true promises. The enemy steals hearts through false concern. Jesus wins hearts through true concern. He absolutely, you know, you know what the Bible tells me? I love, the, I love Romans 8 when it says there's no condemnation. Then it goes down through there. And Paul says, who is that that condemns? No one. 
Now watch this. No one condemns. But here's what I love about in the context of that. That when the enemy comes with condemnation, do you know what Jesus is doing? Interceding. He's interceding. I love that concept. The enemy comes at you to condemn you, and when he's condemning you, Jesus is saying, no, no, Father, he's one of mine. My blood's covered him. I got them. I'm interceding on behalf. Just like Zechariah 3 shows us the picture, Joshua the high priest standing before the Lord in all of his filthy garments, and the enemy is at the right hand, Satan, to accuse him and say, look how dirty he is, look how filthy he is. And the angel of the Lord says, shut up. You love it when God tells the devil to shut up. Hmm? He says, be quiet. This is a man I plucked from the fire. Take off his filthy garments. Take his iniquity away. Take his filth away. I got something to put on him. I got a robe of righteousness. I got a festive robe to put on him. Man, that's what he's doing. And, and, and that's what he did at Calvary. And that's what he's doing. Calvary was an intercessory work where he cleansed us from our iniquity. And right now, he's doing an intercessory work at the right hand of the Father, saying, no, no, that one's under my blood. That one's under my blood. Shut up, devil. Because he's concerned about us. The enemy steals hearts. Yeah, I just did that one. <laughs> the enemy steals hearts as a pandering politician. Jesus wins hearts as a statesman of heaven. He came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the kingdom. The culture and the value system of the kingdom was on display through Jesus Christ. He was a statesman of heaven. When the enemy came to tempt him, he stood his ground. When the Pharisees come against him, he stood his ground. When his own disciples would try to deter him, he would stand his ground. Because he was a statesman of heaven. I would say to you today that you're not an American. Yes, you are. But your first and foremost calling is to be a statesman of the kingdom of heaven. That you and I live in this world, but we are statesmen of the kingdom. That means that if this side of the aisle that I'm on is acting like jerks, you don't act like a jerk. You don't have to support a jerk by being a jerk. <laughs> I like that. There's sometimes that decide that you like are wrong. And true statesmen call it out for what it is. Everything on this side ain't right. And everything on that side ain't wrong. And vice versa. Your values are shaped by the kingdom. Your culture is shaped by the kingdom. Your speech is shaped by the kingdom of God. Jesus came as an embodiment of the statesman of heaven. You see, because here's what's important about that. He who wins my heart governs my heart. You know what the Bible tells me? The Bible tells me that Jesus, when I accept him as a savior, and I come to him by faith, the Bible tells me he puts his spirit in my heart. And his spirit in my heart now begins to govern me as I walk in this land. Right? And all of a sudden now, I want to react like a politician. And the Lord says, no, that's not the kingdom of heaven. But I want to say that. You can't. But I want to. Don't you do it. But, but. Did anybody ever feel like they're going to combust? But I want to return, I want to return insult for insult. I want, they, they mocked mine, I want to mock theirs. They insulted mine, I want to insult them. <sighs> His spirit governs my heart. And it produces a heart of love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It creates a heart where there's no racism. It creates a heart where there's no classism. It's a creative heart where there's no sexism. That it mourns those things. Because he who wins the heart governs the heart. How many know it's the heart that governs the mouth? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the fingers. <laughs> Type, post, tweet, text. He who wins my heart changes my heart. That's what's wonderful about it, is I'm not coming to a place where I have to put something on. It's who I begin to become because he's the one changing and molding and shaping my heart. That he's the one who's writing his laws on my heart. That he's doing a transformation. He who wins my heart heals my heart. That when my heart is broken, he is doing a healing work. When my heart is broken, he comforts me. You can't explain it until you've gone through it. You can't explain it sometimes until all of a sudden you got this broken heart and yet you've got joy in the midst of it. And you're saying, how does this work? This makes no sense. It's like you take a pill. How many of you take a pill for something? Some of you should. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you really know how the pill works? <laughs> Most of us don't. Now, George, he'd give me all the, well, X, Y, Z, George, give me, well, Jim, this does that, not the, what, well, George, English, George, okay? See, all right? But some of you, we, like me, you have no idea how it works. You're just like, okay, let me pop this thing. Oh, okay. Do you understand there are times where Jesus is doing a work in your heart? You have no idea how it does, but you just know it does. You just know he's doing it. That your heart is being lifted up. Your heart is being healed. He who wins the heart heals the heart. And he who wins my heart guards my heart. Come on, Troy. Give him hope. Chantel. Is that you clapping? A good answer. Listen to me. Understand, there is a battle that's raging. There is a battle raging in our country. Make no mistake about it. And you, whether you're in this building, you're watching stream, watching it later, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. There is a, the quest is power. Now, this is what I believe. The Bible tells me there's no authority except given by man, by God. He establishes, does he not? But even, listen to me, there are times, and I'm not telling you which way to think, but I am going to tell you that there are times in the Scripture where God uses and points righteous men to authority, and he, writes, and he puts unrighteous men in authority to bring about his purposes. Because how many know at the end of the day, it's always about his purpose? Still always about his purpose. See, some of you want me to come out with this, well, Trump this and Nancy Pelosi that and make no mistake about it there is wickedness and evil at work in our political system right now and it is trying to steal the hearts of humanity to get the hearts to get the vote to get the power and when it gets the power I promise you if the wrong gets the power 
It's the people who suffer. It's the way it is. It's biblical, cover to cover. By the blessing of the righteous, a city is exalted. By the blessing of the righteous, a nation is exalted. I'm just telling you, like it or not, don't allow your heart to be stolen by politicians, by an Absalom spirit that preys upon the trouble, that promises you things it, can never, it never plans on delivering on. Doesn't plan on it. A pandering spirit that wants to promise you satisfaction that it can't bring. But in a spiritual sense, the battle is over the heart. Who's going to govern the heart? Who's going to win the heart? Because he who wins the heart governs the land. I want my heart governed by Jesus. And there are times my heart becomes corrupted. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? And sometimes your heart becomes corrupted. And when it becomes corrupted, you act like a knucklehead. Any knuckleheads in the room? Craig, Craig's like, yeah, man, I'm in. <laughs> but we have one. He did not come to steal the heart. He came to win the heart through radical, unconditional, crazy love. That says, I came to serve, not to be served. That came and said, I'm going to die. That I, no greater love has no man than he lay his life down for another. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to do this for you. And the reason I do it for you is because I'm doing it for my father. My heart is for my father. Therefore, my heart is for you. And I don't want to, I don't want to use, I, I, he's not usurping anything. And, and I don't want to overlord over you. I don't want to power over you. I, I, want, I want you to see my goodness. I want you to see my meekness. I want you to see my humility. I want you to see that I'm a statesman of heaven. I want to win your heart. Allow him to win your heart. A lot of times we're trying to bring people to Jesus through fear. His loving kindness leads us to repentance. His goodness causes us to come. He wins our heart. How many of you are married to a man who stole your heart against your will? <laughs> he ain't going to see 51. He keeps that up. 51 is not in your future, brother. That, that he came and you have to. Blah, 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 blah. No. You married a man who won your heart. You married a woman who won your heart. Through love. And I know what you're thinking. What happened to that person? <laughs> you did a lot of things, men, when you were courting to win the, that you forgot to keep doing after you married her. <laughs> That's the beauty of Jesus. He who won the heart keeps the heart. He who won the heart maintains the heart. He who won the heart never changes. The question today is who's got your heart? Who is the king of your heart? Who's the king of your heart? We pray for the one who's on the throne. We pray to the one who's the anointed one. We pray to that one, the king of our heart. Father, this morning, 
Let us see the picture that's in your word. Let us see the picture that's going on in our country. That there are promises that are made that are not kept. There are promises that are made that were never meant to be kept. There was a pandering. There was a preying upon. There was a patronizing. And it is all about to steal the hearts of men and women. Because if I can steal the heart, I can get the throne. If I can steal the heart, I can get the votes. If I can get the votes, I can get the power. If I get the power, I can lord over and I can hold serve over. And I can be privileged over. And God, we say to you today, we want your will to be done in November. Your kingdom come, your will be done. But Father, we pray for our own lives. We pray that we would always say, you've won my heart. You've won my heart. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. That we willingly, willingly give you our heart. We willingly say our heart is yours. Allow your spirit, your spirit to govern my heart. Govern my tongue, govern my speech, govern my mind. God, help us with this. And we would say today, together, you're the king of our heart. In Jesus' name. God's people in the house said. And online said click. Amen.